Hello everyone and welcome to another one of these fun interview edition episodes of the SWW show. I'm Mike, today I have with me a special guest, literally from all the way around the world. Could you please tell me your name, sir, and what the game we're here to talk about is? Hey guys, uh, my name is Igor. I've just released my game Burning Night. Perfect, so yeah. So Burning Night, let's see if I got this right, tell me how off I am. It, it reminds me of like a... 2010, 2011, like, the roguelikes of that era? Well, I tried to base it more of the ancient roguelikes, like, Brogue and stuff. Okay. But yeah, sure. Everything pixel art now looks like those roguelikes, yeah. Perfect, yeah. Uh, full transparency so everyone knows, he was kind enough to provide me with the code to, so I was able to play the game before we talked today. Uh, yeah. So one of the first things I was curious was... um. Obvious. I'm gonna say the obvious thing. I assume you're a big fan of Binding of Isaac. Yeah, yeah. More of the nuclear throne, but still. Okay, because yeah, it definitely has. And I guess the nuclear throne. I can say that too. It definitely has like that. Like there's a certain type of those specific roguelikes, so I could really see the foundation in this game, mm-hmm. and and I could see kind of like I could immediately be like, oh, there's. P- I see the piece you like and don't like in those games very quickly because of that. Yeah. One of. Uh-huh. The immediate things I'm curious about, so, and this is an interesting choice I thought you made was, so when I go into the world, there is, I don't know his name, like, the the, the sun guy that chases me the entire time? Yeah, it's the Burning Knight himself, yeah. Why, like, what made you go on the decision of having this continual antagonist chase the player? Uh, well, I wanted a way to force some difficult decisions. I know I failed in some places, like I'm not a good king Israeli, but I tried to uh, give this choice that maybe you don't want to take stuff right away, or maybe you don't want to take stuff at all because that will pose a, a further challenge. Uh, right now I'm also uh, playing around with the idea that Instead of taking the items from the castle, you can instead heal, and then that's your only way of healing. But will be even more of a hard choice for the players. Like overall, for this game, you can say the theme for me was choice. Like you almost never see a treasure room where you have one choice, or a shop where you have one choice, or some NPC where you have one choice. It's always uh, up to player to decide what they want to do. Mm-hmm. No, and that, that's uh, that, fair. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why the game doesn't have like classic uh, cl- classes, like where you pick some class and it gives you some stats and starting weapon, some starting item. You also pick your you you hand, handcraft your own class before the run. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's interesting because it definitely is, like, a very... That is one of the things I noticed, too, about, like, your roguelike was, like... There's, so you said there's always choice, but at the same time, like, initially, like... It's like, I pick a weapon and then it's kind of go. And then the rest of it kind of just is over time. Well, yeah. Uh, you start with two weapons that are not too different from one another. But uh, the issue is here that uh, I had to... Uh, to introduce stuff slowly enough that new players who didn't play like any roguelikes at all or any constructors could catch up to. Uh, of course, you can start with everything 
unlocked, but that's not fun. Mm. Also, it, it gives that sense of progression when you slowly unlock the weapons, and they're not that hard to unlock. Mm -hmm. Oh, one of the other notes I appreciate too, because you gave me a Steam key that I did appreciate that controllers just worked out of the gate. Because it's definitely one of those games I would have struggled without a controller. I don't know how you play with the controller. Myself, I'm a keyboard guy. I, I play all games with keyboard. It's, I don't know. How, how do you aim? Is it hard? Yeah, I aim using the right joystick. I just aim that spot. and then it, So like what the square is, and then I could just hit, the, I think it was the right and left trigger, to, or whatever it was to do the action. Uh, I was thinking about adding some uh, like aim assist. Do you think that's needed? Um... I don't know if I actually had that much trouble. It definitely is. Maybe, like, it's... Obviously, I only played a couple hours, so it... I had some struggle there. Maybe just, like, quickly hit... Switching stuff, that could just be, like, muscle memory more than anything else. Uh -huh. So it could be one of those, like, early game you need, and then, like, later game you probably don't. Mm -hmm. One of the other interesting things I thought was... So a lot of these games kind of, like, have some definition of a hub, kind of, like, you should level yourself up, and that's it. You put, like, characters in your hub, and, like, these, these like, very, very unlockable thing as time goes on. Well, yeah, I didn't want to make uh, this place a thing that you visit, like, for 10 seconds, and then it's gone. It's kind of a replacement of a regular menu for the game. Like, the game doesn't have any menus besides the settings and uh, like when you see the game logo for the first time when you put up the game uh, there are two reasons for that first of all I hate coding UI <laughs> it's the most boring <laughs> thing ever and plus um, I find that like when you put the, the UI like it's the game objects you can run around them you can touch it it's much more fun mm -hmm. so like I did that where I could I've been considering to make the settings to be in the hub too. Uh, I did that with my previous games, but it's just a tiny, a tiny bit annoying. Also, you can't adjust anything where you are in the run. Mm. Uh, yeah, I still have plans to add to the hub. Uh, I really wanted to add some mini games to there, maybe like fishing mini game or something like that. Uh, one of the big things I have. It's 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 almost done. It's like there's this game console called Pico Eight. It's a fantasy game console. I've made a bunch of games for it, and uh, I've been working on an emulator for that console for a while with friends. And I was thinking putting like this console in the hub, and then you can go find cartridges uh, in the dungeon, and then you come from from the dungeon and you can play small games. Did but, you did you ever think of maybe like the games themselves then could unlock some like you beat all these games then you unlock some like insane sub weapon or something too or do you feel like if you did something like these additions like over time it's just more of like just to add more character to the world? I think I would have left those games just to enjoy the games themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, I wouldn't tie anything to them. Besides, maybe an achievement for like finding the the console for the first time mm -hmm. uh, because. I've been planning to put all sorts of games there, and you know, if you're a roguelike player, you probably want like uh, um, like some of the games I was planning to put there. Like, do you know the games list that I released like two years ago or something? Though, what would you say? Celeste, like the yeah, game, game to uh, last, yeah, yeah, like that game was first made for that console. 
did you ever hear that story? Like it was a small four-day game, and then they decided to uh, bump bump it up to a real game, and then it took three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I have I have so, heard that. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I tried to make uh, something that you just don't uh, that that feels homey, like. Mm-hmm. Uh, when player unlocks something, it starts to build connection with it. So, yeah, try to make as many unlockable things as you can. Yeah, so that's that's definitely an interesting thing. One of the other things, if I was probably going to jump back to while we're talking about this, is so roguelikes. I think one of the specialties of them, and I think yours definitely into that too, is the amount of weapons or items and, and power-ups kind of you get along your runs mm-hmm. do you mind running through like one or two of like your favorite ones that like people get to experience during this one that you consider like really unique uh i know i'm having you pick your favorite child i understand it's hard yeah it's hard for me to name uh probably my favorite items but this game is more about like some of the items m- might feel like boring, like it makes your body split when, when you hit a wall. But when you combine that item with a few more items and you get those insane combos, uh, that was another goal of mine, to make the artifacts as stackable as you can, so you can have an axe that you throw and then it fires bullets and stuff. So, uh, I think... Well, you can pretty much say every, every artifact that releases bullets when something happens. That that's that was one of the ones I really mm. like the the glass, the potato. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, when one of the things I always find curious about this. So, your game, as we're talking, was out like three days ago, right? So it came out last Friday. Yeah. So that means you were finishing development of this game um, during. The fun craziness of the global pandemic. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious because I've been I've been hearing these stories, and every developer is a little bit different. Kind of, how much has that affected either the marketing of the game or like the final leg of production for the game? You know, I have to be honest. uh, It didn't change much for me. Like my lifestyle didn't change much. Uh, The only thing I've noticed that I started to miss being able to go somewhere to work like in a cafe or something sometimes i usually work from home but still it's nice uh in terms of marketing i think uh a lot of games benefited in the start of the pandemic because everyone was uh getting into more games but i i think i kind of missed the hype wave it's hard for me to do it to judge uh like first of all this is my first team game and second of all the numbers aren't so great so uh i mean people are just easier to reach mm-hmm. like when you mail, mail them or if you uh, want them to play this that's probably one big plus not much else changed for me oh well see so you kind of lucked out because i've definitely heard I've definitely, I was, yeah. I, the stories of like developers who were like, yeah, we had two months left and then we had to get out of the office and everyone's like, what do we do? Oh, no. I'm the single developer, so I had to that. So you lucked out kind of in some capacity of like how it affected that development cycle. Well, 
I don't th- I don't think anything changed like Moscow schedule schedule how it was it stayed the same uh, it, it was kind of depressing to hear all the news and stuff at some point I just deleted Twitter and stuff from my devices mm-hmm. kind of stop, stopped following it to just focus on development mm-hmm. so as I mentioned earlier too now your game's been out it's only been out three days but I assume you had some people playing it before. I'm curious, it's a, it's a shorter reflective back, because it's been relatively quickly. What are your, like, as you've gotten more player feedback and more thoughts, kind of, what is your thoughts, kind of, for the future of this game? Do you do you plan on doing more content updates? Do you plan on making DLC for this game? Well, uh, first of all, the game was tested for almost two years, so the whole development, like, when I got the first deal, I've been just constantly updating it and testing it. Big thanks to the guys on Discord who did it. Um, the player feedback that came out—it's—it's uh, it's a lot of bu- bugs that I didn't catch. I kind of expected that because half of the development time I've spent just fixing bugs. It's not really pleasant, pleasant but it's important. So yeah, for the past three days I've also been just fixing, 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 sweeping, fixing. Uh, Player feedback, most players, yeah, just report bugs and then some controller issues and everyone pushes for me to make the, the map more more usable, maybe at like quick repartition. I have to be honest, I, I've added the map like one day before the release, I'm still <laughs> not a fan of the map. It kind of ruins the, the dungeon feel for me, like I play with the map off. Really? Yeah, there's there's a setting for that. Maybe it's just because I'm so used, I know how the levels generate, where I need to look for it. Oh, 100%, I guarantee you. It's because, like, looking at that, I'm like, there's no way I could have played without that. <laughs> nah. Maybe you could have, if you want. <laughs> I, probably, I probably could, and then if I, if I played maybe a little bit longer, I could. But, like, immediately, I was like, oh, I don't... I, like, looking back when I started, I'd be, I'd be, I felt like I'd be very lost. Yeah, I mean it's fine if players want the map, they can use the map. It's just uh, they keep pushing for adding stuff. That... Mm-hmm. That is a huge cut on it and stuff. Uh, opening it to the full screen again. First of all, I hate developing UI, and second of all, I hate this. <laughs> yeah, I, I am definitely when I develop things, I'm on your side of the UI thing where. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of developing UI. I like good UI when it works. I don't like developing yeah. it. Yeah. That's also the the fundamental problem with you with UI is you never notice good UI, you just notice bad UI. You know, it's a problem with everything pretty much in at least in game development, like uh with juice, with with sound effects, with with art, with particles. When there are other people don't notice them, they only notice when they don't exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So do you have any future plans then for content updates or anything? Or do you feel like this game you feel right now is complete enough where you might start planning your next project? No, it's for sure not completed. Like, you can infinitely expand it. You can add more items. You can more, add more locations. Like, uh, if I was to update this game, I would add uh, an a, a, alternate path. Like, maybe two or three new locations that you can go to, then maybe uh, upgrade the final location, 
the final secret location to have more more units and stuff. Uh, I definitely yeah, get back to the hub and make it even more like believable. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. And then um, I have to ask the obvious question: Have you thought of a Nintendo Switch port for this game? Oh yeah, that's my dream to get it on the Switch. Because <laughs> it just—it's uh, one of those things that like we talk about, like Switch is a hybrid system. You could so see this perfectly of like that that thing of like on a train or on a plane, you play like a run or two. Yeah, and that would um, justify me getting a Switch. See, <laughs> see, I'm helping you. It's just case I don't know where you are. If it's a tax write-off in the United States, it would have been a tax write-off. Even have been perfect. Uh, sorry, this Discord is clipping everything. No, you're fine. Okay, so let's let's see if we get. So as we talk about this game, came out a couple days ago. Let's see if we could sell you a few more copies. So the game, as I said, is Burning Night. Uh, Night is in with a K. Uh, it is fifteen United States dollars and whatever that is in your local equivalency. Is that correct? Uh, it's twelve right now, or thirteen. It's on fifteen percent scale. Yep. So it's twelve. So in America, it's twelve seventy four. I don't know what that translates to in the rest of the world. Um, and then it's fifteen normally. And right now the game yeah. is currently available just on Steam, I believe. And itch.io. And itch.io, which go to itch then support him because he gets a lot more money off that. Is that accurate? It's interesting, you know, thing about itch. Uh, yeah. Yeah, itch is interesting just because, like, like... Literally, like, itch is a way smaller user base, but on a per-sale basis, you get more. Yeah, it's a, I love the platform, uh, first of all, because itch was the platform I started on, like, posting small games and stuff. But also, the interface for the, the uploading games and stuff is so much nicer than Steam. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if you've uh, seen Steam again, but it's just a jungle of buttons and UI that looks like it was made 100 years ago. Like, uploading to each is just pressing a few buttons, uploading your zip file and stuff. And for Steam, you have to uh, register the application, write papers, uh, download, download the SDK, use common line, common, common line to upload your builds. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nicer, nicer in the end because uh, users just get small patches when the game updates. And I update the game constantly. And they don't have to worry about re-downloading the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But setting that all up is a pain. Oh, I can imagine. So, so yeah, each each is really lovely. Perfect. So yeah, so let's let's as I was saying then. So the game is, is burningnight.com, and I believe okay. that's oh, I'm missing. And it's at Rexcellent Games on Twitter. Well, it's mostly me at Twitter. Okay, so would you let's let's you tell everyone how to find your Twitter. Oh, I think it's if I I should spell probably <laughs> it's Igor Dorichev. It's like E G O R D O R I C H E V. Okay, perfect. So thanks again, Igor, for sitting down and talking to me about your game. Uh, it was fun to play. Um, I think as we talk about. This was a little hectic at first, but I definitely, by the end of my playing it last night, I got a bit in the groove, and I'll probably be playing it more throughout the week. Well, I hope you'll enjoy it. Perfect. And you enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, thanks a lot.
Hello, everyone, and welcome to another one of these fun interview episodes of the SWW Show. I'm Mike. Today I have with me a special guest here to talk about one of the more unique games we've had recently on the show. Would you mind please telling the audience your name and the game we're here to talk about? Okay, my name is Ali, and the game is Beats of Fury. Uh, it's a rhythm top-down um, bullet hill shooter. Uh, if we can say it, yeah, if we can say that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you uh, take, yeah, yeah. You take the role of a DJ or a um, guitar uh, player, and you start shooting the beats, killing them, shooting at them, and playing the music at the same time. Yeah. So, I I figure we'll get to this game in a second. The thing I want to talk about first is so you're part of the team Bubblehead Games. Um, yeah. So I'm kind of curious if you mind giving the audience kind of like the top level of like who the team is, because obviously you guys aren't the biggest team in the world and stuff. I mean, everyone's heard of you. Ah, okay. So the team is actually composed mainly of three people. Uh, like the, the people, the number of people that work on the game is more than that, like five or six people. But the main members are three. Uh, me, I'm the developer and the game designer. And uh, there is an artist, uh, he lives in Australia. His name is James. Uh, composer or the main musician. He's um, uh, called Edward and he lives in Germany. Uh, and actually the funny thing about that that we have never met. <laughs> but this is our third game together. So yeah, we work um, like online. But we had never met before. So that's the thing that makes it amazing. It's because obviously there's distribute, I've heard distribute teams a lot for smaller games. I find it amazing that this is your third game that you have yet to meet because usually I hear a lot of stories of like developers like yeah, after the first second game we, we like purposely made sure we met at some point. Uh, yeah, but we couldn't do it unfortunately <laughs> till now. We couldn't meet. So but... I assume then, ironically, that the COVID stuff probably didn't affect the development of this game because you guys already were very distributed. No, it didn't. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't affect us. Nice. Okay, so yeah, I that's that's very interesting. So yeah, so we're here to talk about Beats of Fury. Yeah. So the immediate thing I gotta ask, right? Do did one of you like were one of you a DJ? Did one of you like have a DJ fantasy? Like, I'm very curious. Like, because obviously that's like the crux of this. Are you 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 are a DJ during this game? <laughs> no, actually, no. But um, one of the most things that inspired me um, was a game, uh, Guitar Hero. Uh, I'm actually the one who came up with the idea. And I played uh, Guitar Hero a lot when I was young. Uh, when I was younger. <laughs> uh, and uh, I think, yes, yeah, it's, it's one of the games that's really inspired me to do this one. Uh, but yeah, I have no, no idea of how to be a DJ. Like, I have no experience with it. But I, I would like to try it at some point of my life. Why not? So what? So I'm, <laughs> I've got to ask this. What part of Guitar Hero inspired you? Is it just the rhythm game part? Because obviously beyond the rhythm game, like, tonematically you're pretty different. Like, you play fundamentally different. Like, Yeah, the idea of rhythm, like, you, you press some button and... Another thing is the role play, that you play a role of like a hero like a guitar hero or like whatever like an artist or a dj or whatever like the idea of itself of getting like a role of some heroic uh let's say character you know mm -hmm. uh, along with the rhythm part yeah 
and I, I, I just I was just was thinking to like to mix the two things like I like action games so I was just thinking about mixing both of them the rhythm and the action like the shooting I mean mm-hmm. uh, and it just came out this idea uh, yeah but we did a lot of prototyping and a lot of stuff like at the start the player was like uh, on the ground and shooting birds and stuff and like on the top and then we changed it to be a top down and like we did a lot of prototypes and it ended to be like it took this shape at the end that's that's very interesting so like was there so you said obviously that you had a few different prototypes and the initial wasn't this, this i'd say what looks more akin to what i define as like mechanically similar to like what bullet hells tend to be was it always a bullet hell rhythm game then or do you have some like at one point it was a first person shooter at one point it was a wave based game uh, it started, it was like you were standing actually on the ground and you shoot stuff on the air. So it was just half the screen and, you know, and the other half, there's nothing. And I, I didn't, I think I thought it was so stupid that we are not, I'm not using the other half of the screen. So I just thought if it's top down, it would be much better for the game. Hmm. From everywhere. That's, that's intriguing. So... Uh... One of the things then, so obviously, looking at it then, your rhythm game. Uh, one of the big things with rhythm games is, I think, the music. Yes. So, uh, I would say you guys have this semi-techno, electronic-y vibe, and I feel like that is, like, a lot of, because DJ. What, how is that kind of, like, trying to figure out that balance while playing it to make, like, the rhythm game, like, get people in the flow and stuff, too? Was that always the goal of the music, or did you guys kind of change this over time? Um, what do you mean? Change the genre itself of the music? Yeah, or like the different types of music you've prior to go through while testing it. Yeah, I think we can do that. Like it works. Like the 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 development process itself, we can do it with any kind of music, especially because we are allow we will allow people in the future to put their own music and like YouTube links and stuff and stream and play their own music. So I think yeah, it will work in everything. But for now, um. What I was foc- and what I'm focusing on is like just having these two wallets, the one wallet for electronic and the other for metal, um, and getting everything between these two wallets. You know, um, this way I think it's more specific. You know, like uh, you know what I are gonna buy or you know what music we are gonna play inside the game. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, Edward, uh, the one, uh, the one like who is responsible for the music. Yeah, you, you, yeah. This, this guy, he's gonna be a DJ. Yeah. I, okay, I forgot about that actually. <laughs> he studies music now. He's not a DJ yet, but yeah, some at some point he will be a DJ. Uh, and he's the one who is responsible for the whole electronic music in the game. Um, so yeah, I think I think till now we are just gonna be focused between two two, two of these genres, like just electronic and metal. But in the future, there will be like that. You have a bit to put your own music. So. Yeah, I think people will be so creative about that. So, so, so you do have a DJ on the team. I do appreciate though. You're like, wait, we do have a DJ on the team. Yeah, <laughs> and then yeah, I thought about it. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't get out of the college yet, but yeah, he will be a DJ at some point. <laughs> wait, is there, like, is there a college for being a DJ? I didn't know this part. Uh, he is studying music. Okay, that makes more sense. Okay, because I was like in my head, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, is there a degree in DJing? Like, I would love to be like <laughs> the teachers of like they don't have desks, they just have like record boards. Yeah, no, no, he, he is gonna be a DJ at some point. 
See, this is when think... you guys make a sequel that's an FMV video game of just him actually DJing. Uh, whoa, say it again. I, I think said, this, this is what you guys make. Idea. You guys make a sequel, but like it's him just in an FMV point of view actually DJing, and this is what... so you get like the same idea of the game, but it's just actually DJing mechanics. Okay, that's that's a cool idea actually, <laughs> but I didn't think about. But yeah, okay. So let's let's go through what what is always I'd say the toughest part of these games. Once once you nail the music, the theme, the vibe, and everything else, right? So the, the other toughest part of these games, I think, fundamentally, because we're home, it's a bullet hell and it's a rhythm game, is balance. Uh huh. How? What was your thought process while developing this game? Which I would say starts out not atrociously hard, but I'd say ramps up really quickly. What is your thought pro what was your thought process of like how hard you wanted this game to actually be and how accessible? Okay, what we were trying to do that we were while developing the music or making the music at the start, we were um, choosing music um, the, like we choose how hard is it or the how it will be uh, put on the levels like the number of the level depending on and uh, more than that it's like like the first level is 100 ppm and then we go higher and higher and higher till the last level it's actually 170 175 something like this but it, it's not done yet uh so yeah we, we do the balance by 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 the ppm actually of the track hmm. the beat per minute yeah so do you have it is it like do you just go like you just look and go okay so in the first hour, we expect people to be at 80 beats per minute. By the second hour, 100. Is that kind of how you look at it then? Or is it purposely you kind of do like a up and down kind of ramping? Expect what? Sorry? I said so like when, you, when you're looking at that then and you rank, you rank it by the beats per minute then, like do you have some internal threshold of like, okay, the average player is here like the first hour and the average player is here at like the 10th hour? Ellie? Oh no, I, I sorry, I, I tanked, I would say again. Oh no, no problem. So I was saying, so like, do you guys internally have some sort of threshold you look at it? Like, you like, okay, the average player in hour one should be at, we'll say, 60 beats per minute, and then in hour 10, they should be at 120 beats uh, per minute? Or is there no, no consistency? No. no, we don't do it this way. We just have testers and they, they report for us if it's so hard or so easy, it has to go. Interesting. Is actually uh, the game is actually directed to the hardcore gamers. Okay. So uh, it's not for for like for normal players or for like casual gamers because actually we are going to make it harder and harder by the time like we're gonna do more levels that's more hard and uh, so yeah it's gonna take this direction. Hmm. That's that is very interesting. So then when you do stuff like that then. So how does it how much does it change like so like are you guys focusing a lot more on like levels right now and music or is it a lot more like it feels like every day you're in there just tweaking numbers okay for now we are gonna um, we are focusing on the modes like for first we are gonna add the endless mode okay. uh, and, and then we're gonna add the YouTube mode and then at the end we will read the 
the last level, the 11th level, along with the first reason. Uh, and then what's going to happen after that is that we are going to increase the levels more and more and more. Like after the release, it's going to increase the levels. But for now, we are focusing on the modes. Hmm. Yeah. So let's let's talk about one of the modes. And so you just called that mode YouTube mode? Yeah. The first mode is the endless, and the other one is the YouTube mode. The YouTube mode, you're going to be able to stream from YouTube. Okay. And while it's... While streaming, uh, you will see the enemies coming and you start to shoot them. Um, but definitely, the music will not stop when you shoot wrong. It's just you're going to play the rhythm with the music. That's it. So it's not going to be as, as good as the customized music for sure. But mm -hmm. it's going to be something. Yeah, it's going to be good. Huh. Okay. Have you guys... So I assume when you are creating this then, are you like for each of the music modes... Right now, at least, are they more handcrafted, or do you have something in the back end? Like, if you just import a, a song, it creates music off of it. Uh, okay, that's uh, a little bit tricky. <laughs> it's a longer process. I don't know if you uh, would like to hear about it. Yeah, if you don't but, mind. Yeah, okay. Well, what we do, actually, is that um, when the musician creates the music, the first thing that we do is that we um, he creates, actually, uh, something called the MIDI file. Do you know what's a MIDI file? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the MIDI file contains the beats and when every beat is going to happen and the frequency of his beat. So we get this MIDI file and we actually use it to generate the uh, perfectly on the track. Sometimes there's some errors, so we have to like handcraft the, the enemies itself, like put it uh, front or back, you know, depending on on what we hear, so because it's the MIDI file is not 100% perfect. And after that, we start to create the effects for the levels, uh, how it's going to go, when the ground is going to rotate, the effects, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, it's kind of handcrafted. Uh, like, the average level takes, like, one or two weeks to be done. Hmm. That's why there's no too much level in the game till now. Just because it takes so long. Yeah, it's kind of too long, yeah. <laughs> Have you guys thought of ways to try to speed that up, or is it just kind of like for the certain quality you want? You're kind of like, this is kind of how it's going to be. Uh, raise what? I said, is this is it one of those things where, like, it just has to be that long? Because, like, for the quality you guys want, you're like, there's no good way to automate it or speed up the process, I assume? Yes, yes. Actually, I I'm, I, I insisted that the, the levels, the, the normal levels, like the story mode levels, to be handcrafted because they are much, much better when they are handcrafted. Uh, you know, if we go, some everything goes in sync, uh, um, you know, the effects, the sound, the rhythm, and I like that. I like that. That's the most thing that I like about the game, and and I don't want to lose. It. Uh, so yeah, the story mode levels it has to be handcrafted. But one way to fasten, uh, to fast the 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 process is to hire more developers. Currently, I'm the only one. Uh, I think if we got to have good sales and the game really made a hit, I can hire like one or two level designers and they can somehow can speed up the process of developing more levels. Mm -hmm. Okay, nice. So one of the things also that's um, interesting about your game, so I think kind of flushed over what I was going to say, though. So you guys have been now in early access for about a month and a half now. Okay. I'm curious, kind of, because obviously I could I could understand your thought process, kind of like it's, it's to add more modes, the giant testing base of just balance point yeah. of view. 
How has yeah. Mochi's early access been different from what you expected it to be kind of like going into this process? Uh, actually, it's not so different. Actually, I like the early access. I, I like the reviews, the people, what people are saying. Uh, actually, the, mostly the people complain about two things. Uh, first is the content, that the content is not so, uh, it's not so high. They want more levels or they want more modes. That's why I'm going to do the endless mode first. So people will be like playing it while we are doing the other modes and, you know, I'm going to make the players busy <laughs> till I make more levels, you know, if you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And, um, and the other thing that they complain about, uh, uh, some some parts of the game is not so in rhythm, like the visuals are not so in rhythm with the sound. So in these parts, I have to go and fix them by myself, like hand like handcrafted. So I actually like like the kind of feedback that we take because I I want this game to be perfect by the time we release it. Uh, so yeah, I, I think you know I love it. I love the the exit things. They, they are a little bit harsh to be honest, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Steam players are harsh. Yeah, that's, yeah. As I was say, Steam Steam players can be known a bit more for uh, expecting, well, say, a certain level of quality. And I always find it interesting when pe when you put giant banners over that says this is an early access game, and the first review you read, you go, "I didn't know this was an early access," <laughs> which happens they, I feel way too much. Yeah, I think they don't care if it's an early access or not. They just say their opinion fully. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they are harsh. But I I kind of like that. I kind of like that. I want this game to be perfect by the time we release it. By the time it becomes like fully released, so uh, I really don't care. I like this kind of harsh uh, reviews uh, because it actually guides us. Uh, but the the problem is sometimes people complain about okay, some parts are not in rhythm, but they don't tell you actually where is their part. Of this is. Mm -hmm. So do you did you um, have anything? The... What? No, I'm sorry. Did you so did you have anything where being in early access changed your development roadmap, or has it kind of been like you guys have still been sticking with it? You just kind of been focusing on different pieces a little bit more. Um, we are taking okay. It's like half half. Like for some of comments, I think it's not so important, but for the um, non-rhythm parts, it's, I'm taking it seriously because yeah, that's it's, it's a rhythm game. Everything has to be perfect. So yeah, that that part affected us. But uh, yeah, I, th I think, mm, no, it, it affected us, actually. Yeah, we had another plan. Uh, I, I thought everything would go smoothly, but yeah, no. Currently, we have another plan. Uh, hmm. Definitely, yeah. Okay. So yeah, so let's, let's make sure that we have all the info right for all of the people then. So the game, as we talked about, is Beat of Fury. Uh, it is the yeah. DJ rhythm game bullet hell top-down shooter. As we, as we uh, yeah. said, um, the game right now is $7 on Steam. Yep. Is that going to be the plan going out of release, too? Are you going to do one of those things where you guys up the price on release? We're going to up the price, yeah. By the time of the release, it's, it's, it, it could be something around $10. Okay. And then yeah. it's early access for at least, it seems like, another six months, four or six months, whatever you guys are saying. Uh, I hope it just goes for four months. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I hope it just goes for ho for four months. I think uh, by the time of the release, we will have two more modes and one more level. Okay. And then I gotta ask the obvious question because I didn't see it. Um, are you guys releasing the soundtrack separately at some point? Or is it or n nothing like that? 
sure yeah yeah yeah, yeah there will be a dlc to buy the soundtracks themselves yeah and also the most important thing um okay i don't know if you're interested or not is that we're gonna port it to other devices um by the time we proceed uh, oh, what devices uh, like do you guys be... have targeted uh android ios and maybe like um there is a huge chance it will be on the xbox one uh we are still negotiating like we don't have the license yet but uh, our team was part of the um, development for xbox 360 like we had games already released on xbox 360 so um so i think we will be able like i hope <laughs> let's say to get a license for xbox one and release the game on it yeah hmm. okay perfect so yeah, so soon to be coming to other platforms. Uh, and obviously, you you release those informations on your channels. I assume as that info is actually there. Yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, so then it's beatsoffury.com for your website for everything else. E- yes, uh, but if you need like um, press media kit or something, you can send us an email and uh, we can send it back because it's not uh, obvious where to get it from there. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Anything else that I missed, or is that everything for everyone should know? No, that's all. But I just, um, I would like, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't think, like you said, your opinion about the game. Like, <laughs> I was waiting for that. Like, did you enjoy it, really? Do you have any comments, yeah. you personally? So, um, so yeah, so you were kind enough to provide me with, with a code to play the game, test it out a bit. Um, Like, I think I mentioned earlier, I find it interesting, because I personally think it ramped up. A little bit quicker uh-huh. than I expected from a difficulty point of view, um, but that could just be I could just be bad at those type of games. Uh, but I was I really liked I really liked the music. Um, I feel I could totally get into the groove kind of really quickly in the game uh, with the beats and with the way the audio tracks play. I also uh-huh. really like I like bullet hells. Um, I could get into them, so I think I think that helps me a lot inherently. I definitely can see a realm though where if someone's not the biggest fan of bullet hells, I don't know if I think. You guys are going to sell them on the genre, but I don't. it doesn't sound like that's your goal also. It sounds like you guys are more targeting a goal than trying to create a new audience for a certain genre, that genre specifically. Because I feel like that's a very niche genre to begin with. Mm-hmm. But you know, otherwise, I feel like so far you guys have done a great job um, for where the game, the state the game's at. I didn't have any like major technical issues, no no hiccups along those lines. Yeah, I, I, th- I think our plan, our plan actually is that we are going to target hardcore uh, gamers uh, for Steam and for the mobile versions, it's going to be really casual. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what we were, we were thinking about. Like in the, in the mobile version, you would just have to hit the enemy, like you press on, on the circle while the enemy goes inside. So it's going to be really, really easy, like controls-wise on the mobile. So I think, it's, and you have two hands, of course, to play. So I think I think the mobile version may may suit you more because it's gonna be really for casual people. We're gonna target more more casually the people like people wanna play and you know uh, while um, being in the public transportation or like whatever. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's gonna be really casual uh, on these uh, devices. But yeah, for Steam we're gonna just um, target uh, hardcore gamers. But yeah, also the other thing for everyone, uh, make sure you're using headphones with this game. This is not one of those games where you, like, sit there and turn off, don't have headphones <laughs> on. For sure. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Because otherwise, that will be one of those where you're like, what is going on? You'll miss something very easily. But I think it's true of a lot of rhythm games. I think almost every rhythm game, you basically have to have headphones on. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Well, again, Ellie, yeah. thanks for sitting down Thank and you. talking to me. Uh 
enjoy the rest of your, I guess, as we established, afternoon going into evening. <laughs> Welcome and um, thank you for the interest in our game, actually, and for inviting me to this uh, lovely broadcast. Okay, thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another one of these fun interview edition episodes of the SWW Show. I'm Mike, and today with me, a special guest here to talk about one of my favorite type of games, good old card games. Uh, could you please tell me your name in the game we're to talk about? Thank you very much, Mike. Yes, uh, my name is Maureen, uh, and I'm the producer at Niebla Games, and we are the creators of uh, Causa Voices of the Dusk, a new collectible card game. Perfect. So let's let's start with the very obvious thing. Um, so this is a collectible card, a digital collectible card game. And did you not think that space was crowded enough already? Like, like I'm very curious of like like it's a very it's a space that I feel it's hard to be very noticed or create a new thing in. So I'm kind of curious. Like, were you you guys just like knew the risk going in, or is it a lot more crowded of a space than you thought it'd be kind of going into this? Oh, that's an excellent question, and we've been uh, learning a lot since we started this adventure of developing uh, this game. Uh, in fact, this is our first game ever. Um, we didn't have uh, any previous experience, so we were uh, mainly guided by our passion of making the game we love at the beginning. Um, and then we, of course, uh, learn, had to learn everything on how to uh, ship this game and uh, hopefully make it uh, commercially viable. Um, so, um, well, as a producer uh, in a small team, I'm in charge of marketing on and uh, about uh, pitching the game. Um, so, yes, uh, definitely the card game market is... Uh, gigantic and very crowded of a big, big brands, so it's been a huge challenge, but at least uh, with Causa, what we've been trying to do is uh, bring um, like a fresh uh, indie take into the genre, so I would say it's very hard, but still, uh, players are, uh, like card game fans are, are always looking to try a new, um, not, not always, but at least uh, some of the card game fans are looking to try uh, new games in the genre, like uh, experience, um, new mechanics. Uh, they are looking for innovation. Um, so at least until now, we've been getting like a good feedback from uh, card game, card game players. Uh, but yes, it's extremely hard. Um, but I'm glad to say that uh, Causa has a very has a few very innovative uh, mechanics. So we kind of. Uh, accomplished our goal to bring something uh, new that is uh, well appreciated by players, I think. Yeah, no, that is for sure one of the things. So you guys were kind enough to give me a couple codes to help with like card packs and coins into it. Otherwise, it's it's mostly a free-to-play game. And so I was like, poking at it a little bit this morning and stuff. And one of the things that was immediate to me was, obviously there's some, I think, direct comparisons that I think could be I think you'd agree if we made to either Magic or Hearthstone, but you guys had some differences, and one of the ones that I thought was very interesting was how you, was a, first your draw mechanic, and then the second one was, there's a concept in card games everyone knows called decking themselves, which means when I go to draw, I have no cards to draw from, and it's very interesting the way you guys did that, of you just basically take like, basically a quarter of your health gone for every card I need to draw, which I thought was a very harsh punishment. So I'm kind of curious, you guys thought, like, let's start with that one. Why Why did you think, 
so like so, so there's a couple games that do it. So Pokemon, if you deck yourself, it's an insta kill, and I believe that's mostly the same with like Yugo and Magic, where like Hearthstone is just like one point. Why do you guys think you do such a harsh punishment for say that mechanics? Yes, well, um, just a, like a bit of uh, context. Um, we uh, wanted to make a game uh, in which uh, different strategies are well balanced. Um, so yes, the mill strategies are very important in the in the game. Um, and when you uh, don't have well, in in causa you must uh, draw uh, at least one card per, at the beginning of your turn. And if you don't, and also you replenish your your hand. So if you played everything during your previous turn. You draw four cards, uh, and with a 30-card deck, um, that's uh, like a, a lot of card drawing, and you may um, run out of cards uh, fast. Uh, so uh, when you don't have a card to draw, uh, for each card you don't have, um, you get a five point, points of hit damage. Um, so yes, it's... Um, like uh, you get a, a very, <laughs> you can uh, die very fast, uh, but it's part of the like uh, the different strategies you have in the game. Uh, as you can draw many cards, um, like you have to balance your strategy so you also uh, recover cards. There's a lot of cards that have the mechanic uh, gather, um, so you um, you can recover cards from your discard pile. Uh, so, yes, I think uh, one of the main uh, challenges in a card game is to keep all the strategies uh, viable and competitive. Um, but, yes, it's just a design decision. And there's, all, like, um, I think what uh, players appreciate the most in this game is that there's a lot of strategic depth thanks to the, um, like, uh, different mechanics that are innovative. For example... Um, well, apart from the possibility of fully replenishing your hand, uh, you can, uh, like, the resource system is quite different from other card games, and I think it solves many issues you find in, in other card games um, because um, you don't have a specific card that is a mana, uh, but you, you every turn you can uh, dedicate a card from your hand or your game, which is a small sacrifice. And with this, you raise your cost, and it allows you to play up to two cards per turn. And you may even uh, play more cards thanks to uh, cards that have a special skills. Um, also, you can bring these uh, sacrifice cards back later in the game um, by requiring requiring them. Um, so yes, there's a lot of stuff that uh, you can do. A lot of actions and there's no specific game phases so it's very dynamic and it has a lot of uh, depth yeah no that is for sure first all, i want to say so i was playing some games and a hundred percent i was i think i was about to win that next turn and then i didn't catch keep checking my deck count and i took 25 points of damage i think it was the next <laughs> and i was like okay that is the end of that one um, <laughs> the other thing that, yeah, so the, your resource system was definitely, like, like I was like, would oh, you like, let's put a tutorial resource system. So, like, it can't be that complicated. And then also I'm playing, and we, oh, this is interesting, because you discard a card in the beginning to then add to this stack, basically, which is your 
kind of almost equivalent to mana and magic, but like lands a little bit different. But then I've sacrificed a card, but then later in the game I can always bring those cards back by like you, the pulling them out of there. So it's very it's a very interesting strategy of just putting cards I want later in the game, kind of in a quick hot menu almost, playing against itself. I'm curious early on in development. Was that always kind of the system, or what? What are like some roughly equivalents of that system when you guys were developing it? Uh, well, I would say that uh, since the start, uh, the mechanic of dedicating cards, this uh, kind of sacrifice mechanic that allows you to uh, put a card from your hand, or even uh, a card that is in your game and you don't want any to have it there anymore, because in fact the the board is quite small, so you only have space for um, four support cards and four um, characters, but you can uh, pick one of them to dedicate it to your cost. Um, this was the like the main mechanic. Um, we, we thought that it was interesting um, like as a core mechanic in the game, and then we started building the whole design of the game around this uh, core mechanic. Mm-hmm. Yes, so it was, um, yes, we iterated, uh, of course, there were small uh, changes, but the whole idea of the cause uh, gives uh, the name to the game. So it was like um, the main, uh, like the first step in designing this card. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, that is, it's just, again, it's just one of the things that I think stuck out immediately for me going through it. One of the other things I want to comment you guys on is, so you guys have this campaign system, which I think other other digital card games have done something similar, but I find it very interesting, um, the like drafting system you guys started with, where basically uh, I, I keep going to have a 30-card deck, so I keep getting a stack of six cards, and I pull half of them in. I'm interested, kind of, when you guys are going through that, like, how does that balance work on the back end? Is it always like a purposeful like no no we have to make sure like roughly this is always balanced or can I be completely screwed out of that kind of campaign system where it's kind of like luck of the draw completely um I think it's uh, well yes it's been very interesting to design this part of the game Uh, like initially we thought about this uh, section of the game because uh, as we're a small uh, team and this game is uh, indie uh, we thought uh, we shouldn't uh, focus solely in the multiplayer side. Um, so we came out with this uh, draft uh, system and um, thought about this uh, specific, uh, like, uh, uh, like each campaign has uh, seven different matches um, and there's a specific events and uh, the rules are a bit tweaked um, in comparison to the, um, like, the... the uh, main uh, game mode, which is the PvP, um, and I have to say that it's been uh, challenging because depending on the experience, um, like the previous experience of a uh, card game uh, players that try this mode, it can be uh, very challenging or a bit easy. So um, we try to like the pool of cards that are offered uh, during the draft are a uh, key. Um, but I think it's it mainly depends on players. Uh, like uh, we hope that players uh, try. Like um, they have to have the experience of uh, attempting the campaign at least uh, one time. They might lose, 
but then as they already see how the enemy uh, plays, like the strategy of uh, each match um, and the leader that they are facing, um, they are able to understand what kind of uh, what kind of deck they must uh, build. Mm-hmm. So that's the the idea of the campaign. That it it is also replayable because uh, there's some random randomness on the cards that are displayed. But uh, we hope that uh, uh, like the pool of cards that are available are enough to build a good strategy to face uh, those enemies. Mm. Okay. No, that that is that is interesting. Um, so I'm gonna. So one of the notes I had question I want to ask I want to ask you personally, or you could talk about the team more generically too. While developing this, what kind of like were the card games? Obviously, I've I've inherently mentioned Magic and Hearthstone. So I think those are the most apt comparisons. Are those kind of like the games you guys really looked at, or are there any other card games that are like your favorites or the team favorites to really pull mechanics from? Um, well, we started this uh, project like. Uh a long time ago, like years ago, uh, as a tabletop version first. Um, In fact, we also have a few other tabletop games developed in uh, that are set in this same universe. Um, But during this whole time developing Causa over four years, uh, since the physical version, um, we've been uh, studying and analyzing, uh, of course, the other card games. Uh, Magic the Gathering was our biggest um, inspiration uh, because it's part of our uh, generation as players. Um, And then uh, I would say that especially for uh, creating the draft campaign, we were uh, inspired by um, like other card games that are single player, uh, like Slay the Spire, but only like in the general idea of uh, facing, uh, like, uh, drafting and trying to uh, overcome challenges. Um, But apart from that, uh, we, like, uh, mainly researched games, card games in general, to try to uh, get the best uh, out of them and learn what's the um, uh, feedback from players so we could uh, pick the features and contents that uh, stand out the most. Um, yes, but because just as you say before, it's um, quite a crowded market and it's uh, hard to stand out. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, no, that 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 makes a lot of sense. And and like for the record, I think you guys have definitely have a very strong like think product here. It's just, it definitely is a market that like at any given point i feel like we, we talk about generally speaking like three or four games in this mar- in this specific genre and that's it and it's, it's always interesting when you see people try to hop into it with some level of like you guys feel like you are decent budget and have de- like good presentation and stuff and like that's always the like those are very rare to get in this genre because i feel like it's either like uber into the point of like it looks like someone made it like in their spare time currently obviously to like you have magic arena now and like these hearthstone these bigger things what has kind of like been some of you guys big points then to stand out obviously we talk about some of the mechanics being different but i think presentationally i'm kind of curious kind of like what have you guys big push been for this in terms of presentation you mean like the visuals of the game or the yeah because like i would say like visual stuff because like one of the things that stood out to me was like you guys soundtrack i think is something that definitely stood out to me kind of when i started the game Ah, okay yes well uh, i would say that um 
the main, like, strong part of the game is in the game system. Like, it's fun and it's uh, deep, it's strategic. But yes, there is also stuff in other parts of the game that we wanted to, uh, in which we wanted to propose something different. Um, so, uh, like, the, the whole uh, setting of the game uh, has some uh, common stuff in terms of, of uh, like, uh, epic fantasy. But we wanted to also um, propose something different, uh, like give it a more uh, dark uh, setting. In, in this is uh, like a, a some kind of apocalyptic uh, world in which a supernatural force is devouring everything. Uh, this is the dusk. So uh, when you meet this uh, character that is uh, very exotic, it's called uh, Malkava. Uh, he tries to guide you uh, to help the leaders in this world. Um, so with their agency, they are able to uh, face the task. Um, so a part of this uh, general, like a dark or exotic setting, um, there's also like a, um, a, there's the different powers in the game. Uh, we wanted to uh, present that uh, power is not just uh, like a magic or a physical, uh, like a, the physical uh, power, like a strength, um, but there's also other powers uh, that uh, work in society. So we have a glory, a influence, a spirit, and wealth. So these are the different forms of power that anyone can use um, to make uh, their cause prevail. So that was the like the design idea, and for this. Um, like uh, we defined these uh, four powers uh, in terms of um, uh, like um, uh, like we were basing ourselves in our uh, previous um, like our bachelor degrees, our undergraduate degrees are in social sciences. <laughs> so we thought about the general like um, structure of uh, social theories when we came out with this with this structure to um, for the design of the game. Interesting. I, I, I definitely don't process how, like, social science degree could be... I guess that makes a lot of sense. Of, like, it's like the infamous, like, the joke's always that game design is two-thirds psychology. It's definitely one of those where I could be like, oh, that makes a lot of sense for, like, even, like... Like, one of the big things with card games, obviously, is, like, feedback. So, like, in physical card games, we have physical feedback of putting a card down. When digital ones, it's it's little stuff of like the sound, the, the special effects, the like making an action feel important. Yes, no, it's. Um, I think it's been very challenging to uh, bring the game into a consistent presentation, uh, considering also that uh, we are a very small indie company in Chile. Um, so the team currently has a uh, six person. Um, and we collaborate with other, over, I would say, 15 uh, professionals of different fields, like uh, concept artists, illustrators, musicians. Um, so it's been uh, very challenging because uh, the UI and the whole experience of playing the cards must be, uh, like, it's, it's the main part that must be satisfying for the players. Um and uh, we are glad that we've been getting like a uh, good feedback and good reviews on that side as well. Mm -hmm. 
No, that's that's great. Um, so let's let's jump to obviously the other obvious thing. So as we're recording this, you guys have been in early access for about a month. I think is a, yes. about the number. Uh, immediately, I'm curious because you guys probably test this before. Running out of the gate with this, how, was the initial feedback kind of like what you expected to receive from the game? Okay. Yes, we we are about to uh, be on uh, like celebrating one month. I think uh, that there's two days <laughs> we will be celebrating. And um, well, before this uh, early access process, uh, we had uh, last year a closed beta phase. Um, where we had about uh, 2,000 players uh, trying the game uh, online for the first time. So that was the first uh, period in which we had uh, feedback from players. Uh, and it was very useful uh, also to meet, uh, like start building the community because the community is a key in this uh, type of games. Um, and then in November, uh, we had... Um, a second period of a limited time demo, a weekend in which uh, we had streamers and playing, trying the game uh, with a few uh, improvements in terms of the previous uh, version. But now it was uh, with the early access release, it was the first time we had like an official uh, bigger release. And um, I think uh, our expectations as developers, um, considering this is our first game, uh, were very uh, realistic or even um, like pessimistic. Like <laughs> we we weren't expecting um, to have a, a, a such a, a good reception in, on our own small scale. Um, also because uh, card game players uh, are very like analytical players and critical uh, players. Uh, so uh, we were a bit scared to be honest. But um, even though the community is still very small and we need uh, to make a huge effort uh, to make it viable and have the game grow, um, we're very happy with the initial reception. Uh, we have some uh, very positive reviews uh, and also players interested in seeing how the updates go. Mm -hmm. Okay. Nice. So do you guys have a rough plan of how long you guys plan to be in early access? Or is it kind of like you're just going to be like when you guys feel the game is good? Um, we had an initial plan of being in early access for uh, four or five months. But then uh, analyzing the amount of uh, work, uh, considering all the features that we want to add, and also uh, what would be a good uh, release calendar uh, or release window, um, we are thinking about extending the early access for more time, like uh, eight months in total. That would be releasing the, the full version of the game, um, adding a new a new platforms if, if everything goes well uh, during uh, the first quarter of next year. Perfect. So, so you caught my yes. next question immediately then. So you, you at least are in discussion stages, we'll call it, of trying to expand your platform base would be a good way of putting it? Yes. Yes, we are currently working on the Xbox One and mobile versions of the game. Uh, we have an agreement, uh, like a publishing deal uh, for the mobile version, uh, for the sorry, for the Xbox One version. So if everything goes well, uh, we should be able to bring the game to these uh, two platforms. Um, 
we're still not sure if it will be like simul a simultaneous release or if we, we will add the um, the additional platforms after the, the full release. Uh, the uncertainty, like we are sure we can, um, like this is on our uh, official plans, uh, but um, today the world is uh, very like a, uh, chaotic and a lot of stuff happening and also it's our first time um, like uh, working on uh, ports uh, so that's mainly where the uncertainty comes from um, but we hope we will be able to do so because all the game was out, uh, since the beginning thought to be brought to different platforms okay perfect so let's let's see if you guys playing some more people playing your game so the game is You've said it a few times. Kasha? I'm going to show Kasa. Voices of, of the Dusk. It is currently on Steam and mobile platforms. Is that correct? No, only Steam. Only Steam only right Steam, now. Steam early access. In fact, there's a lot of features and contents that are not, um, haven't been released yet. They, they will be released along the way of the early access and on full release. Perfect. Okay, so yeah, it is currently Steam Early Access. Again, it is free to play and download, so what does it take just to download the game, try it out? If you like it, give these people some of your hard-earned money. Uh, again, it is Early Access, so take for that what you will. Uh, again, I want to say, honestly, I decently enjoyed the game of what I went through. Um, obviously, I think there are similarities to the games like we discussed, but I like some of the twists you guys made to it, uh, even though I personally might think that drawing stuff's a little bit too harsh, but that's just me. But in general, you guys have done an interesting product, and I'm excited to see where you go from here. Again, thanks for sitting down and talking to me today during your less of insanely busy days, as it sounds like. Thank you very much, Mike, for the invitation. It really means a lot to us and makes a huge difference to have your support in spreading the word about this project. Perfect. And again, folks, go check out the game on Steam Early Access. This podcast was a production of The SWW Show. To learn more, go to theswwshow.com. Remember, you can follow the show on Twitter at The SWW Show. You can follow me at Mikey underscore Maroney. You can follow AJ at Boy. Remember, new episodes premiere on Friday, 9 a.m. Central Time on anchor.fm slash SWW and podcast services around the globe.